Well, stupid, are you ready? Okay, Smokey, roll him. <laughs> That's silly. Shoot him now! Shoot him now! Hello everyone, and welcome to That's Not Quite All Folks, a Lean Tunes podcast. I'm your host, Mark Hanlum, joined by... And I'm Jordan Schmidt, and no, we didn't cover Wild Wife just so we could do this intro. We, we, we had other ideas behind it. But now that you mention it, the shoe does fit. <laughs> yeah. Not that I'm complaining, it's a great song. You know, if we start the episode with something we both really like, because... <laughs> Oh. Boy, this worked this week. <laughs> Fuck. This is what happens when you program a Robert McKimson one-shots episode because A, the quality is not where you're going to want it, and B, you find out the two of them aren't actually one-shots. But one of them is actually a recurring character that you didn't even know existed because, as we talked about with Bob Bergen, but recurring characters other than Taz... Do you remember from McKimson? And B... Wait, no, I already do B. I probably already did. Um, I, I lost my train of thought. The, this was tough. And, I, and the other one is, is a Sylvester cartoon. But but yeah, no, this is... The only one of these that actually is a one-shot is... is, is um, we'll get to that is one. Is that the but, end? Um, <laughs> oh, man. Oh, God. Yeah, the, the shorts you're covering this week are... Gone Batty, the unexpected pest, and wild, wild wife. Ding, 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 ding. That's the one that's the actual one shot, folks. You could, anyone playing spot the actual (laughs) thing that fulfills what the prompt of the episode is, has just won a free donkey. Um, (laughs) It'll be delivered to you in about three to six business weeks. Yes, not business days, business weeks. What you do with it, we don't care. Do whatever the hell you want with it. <laughs> Eat it. Again, it's it's up to you. If you want to fuck the donkey, we won't say anything. I won't judge. America is a free country unless you want to ship to another country. I don't think they judge over... Uh, anyway, yeah. Um, uh, <laughs> yeah, these were... Um, these were... Uh, yeah. Because, it's, because we programmed in a McKimson episode... Um, these weren't great, and we definitely have some things to say about them, and hopefully it leads to a intriguing discussion. I wouldn't bet on it. Well, it's going to definitely lead to an intriguing discussion on uh, how best to curate future episodes, Mark. Listen, I picked Gone Batty because I'm like, well, the first one, it's Gone Batty. I, no, yeah, I picked yeah, this I one because I'm like, baseball cartoon. Yeah. Baseball cartoon, okay. Baseball cartoons are fun. They can Dave be. Looked at other baseball shorts they've done. Yeah. Yeah. Um. Well. <laughs> well, there's a reason why. I mean, we have looked at other ones, and I think that sort of did us in for this one, because uh, there's a lot of gags in there that are very yeah. reminiscent of an earlier baseball cartoon that we've covered that we really like. But going batty, 
It was released on September 6th, 1954. WINS New York City begins playing rock and roll with the Alan Freed Show. So, like, one of the first rock stations in the country opens up, so that's pretty cool. Also, born on this day, um... <laughs> Mark, uh... Name a 2016 yep. Republican primary candidate that didn't do very well. Oh, gosh. So many. <laughs> Just throw out names. Oh, wait. Chris Christie. No. Um, Jeb Bush. No. Uh, um, Herman Cain. If I say it's a lady, will that do anything? It's a lady? Yeah. Oh, gosh. Been seven years, and there was a. And that's the thing about American politics. Seven years ago, a woman ran for the Republican nomination. One, I think, did well in some primaries. Oh, and oh, oh, no one remembers her name. Is it Michelle Bachman? No. <laughs> Damn it! I'll put you out of your misery. It's Carly Fiorina. Yeah, I, I don't know who that is. Yeah, she ran in the. First stretch of the 2016 election, uh, won some early primaries. Uh, I think she eventually buddied up with Ted Cruz and was going to be his running mate or something. And then Ted Cruz got knocked off. The one thing I do remember about Carly Fiorina has nothing to do with any of her actual achievements. Uh, Jimmy Fallon had a short-lived bit with he would do where it, would, it was sort of like Karnak the Magnificent, where like a uh, celebrity would provide the, the punchline and he would provide the setup like afterwards. And so he did it with Arnold Schwarzenegger once, okay. um, where, where Arnold Schwarzenegger would, would, would say, like, you know, like, die hard. And then Jimmy Fallon would go, you know, uh, what happens if you overdose on Viagra? You know, so things like that. And so the one I always remember from that one right, right, is right. Um, Arnold who can already pretty much tell what the punchline is going to be, just looks at the camera, looks at the cue cards, and goes, Kali Fiorina. <laughs> How does Arnold Schwarzenegger say California? And you cut back to Arnold, and he's smirking big time. He's like, yeah, yeah, I'll allow it. That's a good one. It really is, yeah. That's not bad. Yeah. That's the one thing I love about Arnold Schwarzenegger. Like, he's hurt them all. And because he can kick your ass, he's got pretty thick skin. So, like, he's yeah. hurt all of the, you know, So, like, <laughs> yes, it's funny. I have an accent. It's great. Yeah, Carly Fiorina, born that day in 1954. Yeah. Gone Batty. Uh, Robert McKimson obviously directed it. It was written by... Uh, a duo of Sid Marcus and Ben Washam. One of Chuck's fellows. Yeah, Ben Washam usually is writing and, and helping out with Chuck cartoons, but he snuck over for this one. I, I have a theory as to why he may have been used, but that comes later. Uh, and the play-by-play the, the -play announcer is uh, Robert Bruce. I'm honestly kind of surprised that Robert Bruce shows up in a cartoon this late in the Warner Brothers run, because he did a lot of 40s ones. Uh, obviously, he was the narrator of Dover Boys, did a lot of other stuff like that. But now here he is in 1954, so... Cool. This centers around a, uh, a central baseball game between the Greenville Goons and the Sweetwater Schnooks. And a lot, first of all, the first thing is that um, the animation here put me off a little bit. 
because it, when you've been covering a lot of like golden age stuff, it was very yeah mm-hmm. going to 1954 and very UPN like a little yeah like <laughs> the McKimson unit did a lot of cheaper blockier stuff um in especially in this era and because all three of these are from the mid 50s the McKimson yeah these are blockier less <clears throat> expressive less <laughs> they don't look as good as as some of the other units even in this era. So like even just some of the establishing shots of these baseball oh. players and they they don't look great. <laughs> um UPA, you know Chuck wants to do UPA and all that stuff. And I think I haven't seen many UPA productions of Mentally, but I think what gave them their charm was both their animation style but also the writing. Yeah. You know, okay, okay, we, we're not going to do biggest charm animation. We'll just do like Witty, which again, uh, gee, I wonder why Chuck Jones really liked, uh, really liked UPA shorts. Yeah, they do. What? They do dialogue. Witty dialogue focused. Yeah. That's all I do. Yeah, I'll that's go all over I want to do. Yeah. So th- that's why they work. Um, this is McKimson. <laughs> yeah, witty dialogue isn't a concept known to him. Not, and again, he'll try it in one of these, and it doesn't go very well. But, um, but yeah, uh, a lot of the first bit of this is just. The big, strong guys are kicking the shit out of the more sophisticated, smaller team. And there's a lot of gags here that are a little reminiscent of uh, baseball bugs. Like, uh, like, okay, I mean, they have some new gags here. The gag of the outfielder pushing back the stands to catch the ball. That's, that's at least kind of clever. But, like, you have almost actual, like, exact shots like the the schnooks batter happily rounding the bases, which is awful similar to a shot of bugs rounding the bases from baseball bugs, and you have some legs of gags like the 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 bigger guys scuffling with the umpires, and you know beating up the ump if they say that he's 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 safe or whatever, and it's like you you already did this like eight years earlier, and now you're doing it again with a different division without a foil like bugs to beat these bullies into shape. And so the whole first half of this is just, like, the first half of Baseball Bugs just without bugs. Like, who wants the hat? No, and, like, to a point where there are shots where they cut to the megaphone Same of the one. announcer. Even then I went, it's it's practically the same shots. Yeah. Now, which, I mean, come on, fellas. But, um, <laughs> gosh, like, what? I liked how like, one of the guys from the other team, like, I, I don't know, he's, um, I, I, I do like the out, I, I'm sorry, you already said this, the bit where the bad baseball team is like, he's out, no he's not, he's safe, and then he knocks the yeah. player out, like, uh, oh, he's out, alright, out cold. Yeah, now cool. he's out. I like that. Yeah. That was good. I like that. Um, I like one moment where, like, the squeamy, like, the small baseball player says a very funny, I don't like I like that, too. Yeah. But it's just... You know, like, there's little bits of personality in this where I'm like, okay, it's not entirely forgettable. They are. They are. So we are exactly three minutes. We're halfway into the cartoon. We're already in the ninth inning, apparently. Yeah, we are. We're at the end of the game, and I'm thinking, I'm thinking, oh shit, we're at the end of the game already? This <laughs> isn't about all about like a horrible team losing or something? 
No. no. Um, Sue comes in. So we get our hook, like, midway through, which is that because so many of the, the schnooks have, are injured or dead or whatever and cannot play, in lieu of forfeiting, the schnooks decide to let the mascot play, and the mascot is a full-grown elephant named Bobo. No, I think he's more like a kid elephant, but he's an elephant named Bobo. Now, Bobo the Elephant, I found this out when yeah. we were researching this uh, cartoon. This is not Bobo's first appearance. He appeared in a cartoon called Hobo Bobo that Robert McKimson had done in 1947. So, this is not a one-shot. It's not a one-shot, but it feels like Robert's trying to get... Because, again, he, his original characters are so few. It feels like... Because this is five years between Hobo Bobo and this one. Yeah. It felt like he just went, Okay... I'm gonna try one more time to get this elephant character. Keep in mind, same person who gave us Hippity Hopper. Yeah. So I'm sure by this point, he's like, okay, I can do a cute animal sidekick character that can cause chaos, and the cartoons will be passable. <laughs> All right, I'll take this elephant character from the late 40s, you know, five years ago, and I'll reuse them here. Maybe we can get maybe another heavy opera situation. Maybe it's, you know, it, it could be one of those characters who just shows up in contemporary Looney projects for no reason whatsoever. Well, but, um, I mean, say what you will about Hippity Hopper, and we certainly have, but compared to this elephant, Hippity Hopper has like a personality. Like, even if it's a sliver of a personality, it's way more than we have for this elephant. This elephant's personality is, he's a young, cute elephant, and he pitches well, and he's, a, he's inexplicably great at baseball. And so that's the second half of this, where the elephant is going to take down these, this team of just absolute shit kickers. And, I mean, <laughs> it's, it's baseball bugs, but, like, with someone with an inch worth a centimeter worth of the personality that Bugs has. Like, okay, what's the gag here? Okay, he pitches the ball really fast and it burns through the bat or something. Or like, okay, um, he, he he does a repeat of the slow ball gag from Baseball Bugs almost exactly. I mean, again, there are pieces of good gags in here. Like, I like the, the little gag of the hitter peeling back all the, the bunch of bats to get an aluminum one in the middle like a banana. And, and again, like, there's mildly amusing gags in here but i like the because they see the elephants on the field and their team is is huddled around the umpire which leads to the great line of there's nothing in the rule book that says an elephant can't pitch now play ball i didn't know we were reviewing air bud today pretty much yeah uh and if this was a funnier cartoon that would be more with the um they would have more gags with the inexplicable nature of that. Like, okay, if does it say anything in the in the in the the guidebook, where it's just a picture of an elephant and just a thumbs up sign? Like, better writers and better gag people would would do something like that. But we're just like, all right, we can do this. Go ahead with it. Also, I just can't get over the fact that for three minutes we didn't even see an elephant. No, there was no elephant at all, and then. 
pretty randomly it's just oh by the way here's an elephant yep this like, is the cartoon you can't do that <laughs> that's not that's not how cartoon writing goes no you can't just sneak in your concept halfway through it's almost like one of the writers on this isn't a cartoon writer oh wait a minute oh yeah right um, <laughs> um although i will say like ben washam I, I i assume the reason why he's on this is because he uh McKimson probably just went over to Chuck's unit and went, "Okay, what was Baseball Bugs again?" And Chuck was like, "All right, Ben, let him just give him some pointers on what we did for that one." And Ben's like, "All right, we'll do that one, and just make it look like you're not copying." And which is, <laughs> which is funny because Baseball Bugs isn't a Chuck Jones cartoon; oh, it's a right. Frizz unit. One. Sorry. So, do you? No, but like. Is it possible? No, it's funnier, actually. Because that means Robert didn't know who the fuck directed <laughs> Baseball Bugs. And he went to the wrong division. To be fair, neither did I five seconds ago. <laughs> I'm not much like, better. Oh, God. Who who did Baseball Let's see. Well, it was funny, so Chuck. Chuck, hey! And, and you just have, like, Frizz seething from the next room. Going, I swear to God, if he's our guest one more time. <laughs> That was my cartoon. <laughs> hey, Chuck, you got it? Oh, sure, what's up? And baseball Bugs, you are really good doing Baseball Bugs. No, thanks. You know, I put a lot of time into it. <laughs> yeah, I really liked how, how your unit storyboarded, the you know, this bit right here. I want to see if we can do that again. Oh, Ben. Ben did that perfectly. Don't you want to show him the ropes? Oh, sure, I got it. <laughs> and scene. Yeah, um... Oh gosh, but yeah, it's like oh, that's hilarious. Um, there were some guys I liked here. There's one where the bad baseball team is they're winding up the pitch, throws the ball, and the guy's arm turns into a cannon. Yeah, I like that. I like that. Yeah, but you just it's it's like just all right. Well, they're losing a hundred and ninety something to zero. Oh, what's this? This elephant has come back in the bottom of the ninth and scored 200 innings, at least uh, 200 runs. Like, like, at least make it, at least lean into the goofiness instead of just playing it relatively straight and being like, oh, well, this happens and this happens, and all of a sudden they win the game somehow. Like, 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 did you notice the bad guy team didn't do any like elephant jokes or ways to get the like no one like. There's only one joke in this about peanuts that we'll get oh, into. Oh, fuck that one. But, yeah. like, they, they, like, there's jokes you can make about elephants that aren't just bland as hell, you know? And that's all they do in this. Yeah. Um, the, the, by the way, the, the, the strikeout for me... This is where I reach my my uh, my pitch for a baseball bug shorts. Is one of the balls gets hit, a baseball player says, "I got it, I got yeah. it," leading him to dive into the ground with the with Robert Bruce saying, "He got it." Yep, strike yeah, that's three, really lazy. Sorry, no, that's extremely lazy. It's lazy. Lazy. Baseball bug did it better with the gravestone. You could have at the very least had a gravestone. No. What's funnier than a gravestone? Um, he goes to hell. 
fire emits from the hole. There we go. He went all the way down there. Oh. Fire emits from the hole? Um, Come to Buffalo Wild Wings. Come <laughs> oh. to Buffalo Wild Wings. Well, we, we don't lower the volume for nobody. Come to Buffalo Wild Wings. They all taste like that. So yeah, how does the short end? Oh well, um, shocker! The 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 elephant wins and the the wimpy team wins. And I forget even how they do it, but he wow. scores like just tons of runs and he wins. And oh 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 no no! It, it was the his trunk. Oh yeah, uh, yeah yeah. That's the, the thing. Down like like what's this? Uh, they tie Bobo's leg to the back of the stand. Well, he still makes it home and. These gags don't subvert anything. They don't challenge you. Like, okay, he'll make it home, but not in a funny way. Oh, there's a TNT gag. Well, it explodes. It's the laziest payoffs of all of these setups. The pacing is terrible. Yeah. It's very much, it happens, and then you go on to well, the next happens. thing. There's no anticipation for the gags. Yeah, and... and exactly. And it ends with... And that's, hey, and that's our job, okay? <laughs> we say, and then this happens, and then this happens, and then this happens. That's the fucking cartoon. Yeah. And we end, after the, the victory, we end with a really, really easy work for Peanuts gag. Like, the most easy... Like, again, like, if you had actual gag writers, you would actually do something more subversive than this. This is lowest common denominator shit. Goofy Roger Rabbit did a better version of that joke. And, yeah. they, had, and they had actual Dumbo in it. They had an excuse. Elmo Palooza did a better version of that. <laughs> Editor Mark, please play in the clip oh, for Elmo okay. Palooza. <laughs> wow, that song was great. The show is great. You guys are great. Can I be part of this great show? Uh, sorry, an elephant's not in our budget. Don't worry, I work for Peanuts. <laughs> How the fuck do you remember Elmo Palooza? I mean, I do, because... Because I had the VHS time. and watched it all the fucking time, Mark. When I was a kid, not like when I was like a teenager. <laughs> Let's just stress right. that right away. As a kid, like that was like my very first big like oh like hype TV special ever. Yeah. It was like this big fucking deal. All these celebrities and there's the, and Kermit's gonna be in it. Yeah. Don't ask us how. It was it was the nineties. Um, yeah, what dirty jokes? No, no dirty jokes. <laughs> Pre Daily Show, John Stewart. John Stewart it was doing his best. <laughs> Fucking dag. David Allen Greer, Richard Belzer as Lieutenant Munch. Like, like, <laughs> I remember way too much of that. Jimmy Buffett, Rosie O'Donnell. Uh, Gloria Estevan, the Fugees pre-breakup, the Mighty Mighty Bostones. Um, it, it, there was a lot. Of, it was very 1998. So, Gone Batty, not only is this a really flagrant redressing of a classic Looney Tunes cartoon... But all of the new ideas McKimson's team added weren't very funny either. It felt like a waste of time on a number of levels. And none of the new characters, even our hero, this elephant, were especially compelling. It just sort of went by and did its thing and didn't really challenge anything and didn't really make any humorous points that, like, meant something. This was a... Jarn, please don't get Frizz involved, but this was my thoughts. This is a very cute short for children. So when does the real short start? <laughs> oh, that was the real short? Yeah. Lame. <laughs> Please don't get Frizz involved. <laughs> yeah. 
Hearing Frizz Freeling's angry reactions while watching this cartoon would be a lot more entertaining than watching yes, it. Yes, definitely. If you just hear just a distant, that's not how you're supposed to do it. Why isn't anybody sitting down? Just just cut to outside the parking lot, Frizz yelling at Robert. What the hell was that? <laughs> what the hell was that? We used to have dignity. Frizz, what? Well, why are you so angry? I, I wasn't ripping off your cartoon. What the? Whose cartoon do you think I'm ripping off? Chucks! You fucking idiot! So, I give the, the, this the, the, one. The, uh, no, 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 no. The, the, the Frizz on film crew guys. <laughs> hey guys, we're here to film the... You son of a bitch! Oh. We'll, we'll come back later. He just watched Going Batty again. Just, just don't mention it again. <laughs> I give it a one out of five. Yeah. Yeah, that's fair. Yeah. Just watch baseball bugs. Just watch, yeah, just watch no, baseball bugs. Don't bother bugs. with this one. Just, yeah. just watch baseball bugs. Yeah. It's, it's much better. better. The short directed by Chuck Jones. Yeah, that one. Um, <laughs> anyways. So our next short. You know what? You know what? I, I think after, after this cartoon, we came to like, okay, listen. I'm sorry, Frizz. Okay, I am. Listen. To make it up for you, how about I make a Sylvester cartoon? That takes place in a suburban house. In a suburban house. That's more of your speed, but okay. <laughs> this is The Unexpected Past. It came out on June 2nd, 1956. Regards what happened on that day. President Tito of Yugoslavia begins a three-week state visit to the Soviet Union. Reinforcing a fallen relation between the two countries after the death of Stalin. Okay. Isn't that nice? Yeah. No one died, though. <laughs> Just the Soviet Union. <laughs> no, it's about the cartoon. Uh, this is a Sylvester short. <clears throat> I don't know what it's doing here. Yeah. I don't. I have no idea why it's here. Um, I think I just assumed it was about a mouse. And I didn't well, know it Well, it is, in a in sense. It. But Sylvester's in this cartoon. Yeah. But it's, I mean, it's not a tween Sylvester cartoon, so, you know, I, I can kind of give it leeway, I guess. But, uh, but yeah. So our short begins in a suburban house. Immediately. We're right at the suburban house. Immediately. We're not even gonna, as well, the, the, the husband comes home, and I'm pretty sure it's John and Mary, because one of our brothers will burn to the ground before they stop referencing uh, Stan Freeberg. Um, like, both cartoons have that exact same gag. It's like, we get it. You love Stan Freeberg. So do we. Think of different names. Um, anyways. So, you know, the, the husband goes to the doorstep. Ah, darn, the fish is out there. This cat walks in, goes to his wife. Listen, why do we still have the cat? The cat is lazy. The cat doesn't do anything. I also did like when, as the husband is pulling over the pillow off of Sylvester, I like his reaction of being woken up. Yeah, it was funny. I mean, what's great about this first bit is is just we see this conflict as it unravels through Sylvester's eyes. Yeah, and we focus on him rather than focusing on the parents, almost like a a proto cow and chicken kind of thing, where we we don't see the whole of these parents. And we, again, we just see Sylvester's reaction to a lot of these things. Oh, he hasn't caught a mouse and whatever. I think we might have to, uh, you know, uh, 
let him go. And we just see his thought process. And I like that. And I think that's at least a good way of, of getting us into the conflict. It's a good plot. You know? and, and now we have this plot of Sylvester trying to get a mouse in order to keep his, his nice living quarters. Which, it's a good plot. But I really appreciate it if they didn't spell it to, out to us on, right on the fucking nose. Because... There's this bit here where Sylvester is pacing back and forth. They add a line while his lips aren't moving. And it's literally just, I've got to get a mouse to keep my happy home. And it's just like, yeah. yes, that's the plot you guys were setting up. You didn't need to state it. Show, don't tell. Like Also, weird-ass line here where like he's looking into the, the mouse, um, the, the holes in the wall, and he says... Snakes alive, there isn't a mouse in the house. It's snakes alive. It's a it's an exclamation people used back then. Oh. I, I, I thought believe it was me, snakes. I want it to be snakes alive too. That's so much funny. That's like a, a super villain, like doing like a like a magic like snakes alive and just <laughs> It's the sequel to Flash Gordon. Snakes alive! Exactly. Brian Blessed in Escape from New York. Okay, sorry, go. First, look out the window. He sees a mouse out there among the trash. I do like the line here of a a lifesaver. And then the cartoon gets a little bit weird. Um, <laughs> it gets a little weird. Um, so it brings the mouse in. The mouse thinks he's dead. Um, Sylvester. Puts the mouse under a pillow, opens it, then puts out a piece of cheese, because, you know, mites love cheese. Then, of course, the cartoon thinks you're idiots, so Sylvester has to say, you know, cheese for mice is better than smelling salts. Yeah. Which, okay. Because, again, like, Warren Foster wrote this, right? Yes, Warren Foster. Because, like, these are some really on-the-nose lines, and, like, maybe it's just this division that just it just needs to make it clear, like, like... He didn't always work like this with Frizz. Like you know, he, I don't know. Did somebody did did, did somebody from from corporate watch this one? Going oh, they they may not know what's going on. Like, you know, because we get a lot of that now. Obviously, we get focus groups saying, "I didn't understand what was happening," and like, "All right, we'll state it properly in, in ADR." But like, it just feels like a lot of the first half of this was a lot of of meddling yeah. like that. Um. So eventually, you know, the mouse wakes up and. Sylvester and have this long conversation. Yeah. Again, setting up the point again. Listen, you have to go out there and be a mouse so I can stay here. Oh, I actually, no. He doesn't say that. He, he just says, you have to scare the, the people or else down the hatch. Yeah. And I repeat this hatch line like five times. Yeah, several times. You know? And you know, eventually the mouse is like, okay, I'll do it. And then... Mouse runs in, scares the wife. Sylvester acts all heroic. He literally beats his chest like Tarzan before he goes in. He's, he's happy. I like that. Him. He's warming himself up. Like, all right, you know, I, I got this. I can do this. And gets the mouse. He's like, yeah, I did it. Goes, leans up against the door, and hears like, oh, you know, I, you know, oh, the the cat. He, he got the mouse. So um, maybe we shouldn't get rid of him. Yeah, there could be more. And in any other short, right? That's when we would maybe 
stop this bit, and then we just do a generic Sylvester chases a, a, a mouse cartoon. Yeah. But, no. Sylvester gets greedy and says to us, or the same mouse again and again and again. Yeah. As we find out through montage... Yeah. ...that for the next, like, two weeks or so... Sylvester is just beating up this random mouse to keep his place. And something about that feels icky. Something feels wrong there. I mean, it's not especially funny either. It's just like, all right, this keeps happening. It's not. It's it's like like there's not a ton of, of laughs in it. And it's... And first of all, there's already the detail that you you kindly skipped over, where where Sylvester calls uh, the mouse his slave. Um, yeah, uh, I decided to skip that because uh, please stop saying that, guys. <laughs> yeah, it's not cool. Even it, it's only you know, but like uh, it's just a lot of this is just trying to set up. I think. More of a subversion in the second half, I think. But at the same time, it's going to some very iffy places to to get there. Now, I, I will say that this is similar, not like word for word, not like a ripoff similar, but it has some right. similar tones to a cartoon, that a, a Chuck Jones one-shot that we have not covered yet uh, that is really good called Chowhound. And... Yes. Because that one... Has those sort of not iffy, but like it's, it's a dark. little fucked up. It has some, yeah, just the teensiest bit, and it works, and it thrives off of that. And you, the whole thing is that like you, you have this dog character, you know, basically like you know using this this cat character for sympathy, and then of course this dog character gets his in the end. And while Sylvester getting his comeuppance is still a fine payoff here. What he's doing here is less his usual sort of greedy stuff and more just sadistic. Like, all right, I'm going to keep humiliating this mouse and screwing with him and keeping him in my grasp. And it's it's just, it's fucked up not even in a, in a fun, admirable way. It's just unsettling. The key word today is abuse. Yes. It's, it's... That's, that's actually what it is. It's very abusive. But here's the thing, though, right? It's fucked up. But we then get to the set of the cartoon where the mouse realizes, hey, I'm the reason you get to stay in this house, ain't I? Well, I'm calling the shots now. What you gonna do? Kill me? You can't. And he even puts himself in his mouth like, go ahead, eat me. Yeah. Fucking fight me, bitch. Um, essentially, it's like, fucking fight me, yo. It's just, I mean, this is a, li- a little bit better, because it's like, I mean... A little bit, but I'm I'm, I'm not digging it. It's that not there's great. There's something about it. Because, A, this mouse character only has that much of a personality as well, but suddenly becomes this really fucked up, oh, yeah, yeah, you kill me, yeah, just... It, it doesn't entirely fit, and... I mean, I like some of this. Like, there is some chance of humor when the mouse yeah. just starts dropping things to blame on Sylvester. But A, again, there's not enough of a character. And B, basically nothing breaks. Sylvester catches everything and then eventually has to sort of 
you know, spill everything. And also, the eventual um, rally, the, the cry of, of, you know, oh, pussycat or whatever the hell it is, gets annoying after a while. Because he again, his whole thing, his whole thing is that he's trying to get himself damaged or killed, so that way Sylvester no longer has a reason to live in the home anymore. Yeah, and I don't know, like that's a dynamic I don't really like because the end goal is Sylvester, a main character, a character we all know and love. The end goal is, yeah, I'm going to kick you out of the house for a situation you got myself into. And it's like, if it was like another aggressor that wasn't a mouse, maybe. But like, I don't know. It it just feels iffy. Yeah. And a lot of the timing in a lot of these gags where Sylvester is desperately trying to save the mouse as the mouse like, tries to get himself killed numerous times throughout the house. A lot of the timing is off, because the whole thing is, like, you know, he, he tries to save the mouse and then gets, like, you know, gets a mouse trap. Uh, whatever the mouse is trying to do to himself, Sylvester ends up at the uh, the brunt end of. And the timing on all of them is off, because, like, it has to have that sort of moment of, to actually make it clear that he saved the mouse before the thing actually springs and Sylvester gets hurt. And so it's it's a little delayed, and, and it doesn't work as well as it should. And... The only good timing in a lot of that sequence is the bit where, where Sylvester throws the dynamite out the door, and then you just see the angry father come back in. I like that. The little smile. God, that was good. I, I, I did like that. So, Sylvester's been kicked out and bandaged, and you know, it's like, oh, cats like me would hmm. wind up in a hole. I'll be fine. And you'd think... Okay, that's the end. But no. Even though the mouse has won, he still wants to fuck with Sylvester. And look, I'm not saying it would have been funny if the mouse died right here. But it would be pretty (laughs) fucking funny if the mouse died right here. Because the mouse is on a a bridge. You know, it's like, oh, I'm done with this cruel world i'm gonna end it all jumps off the bridge thing lands in like a, a, the uh the cravings of the bridge it's you know it's typical like oh splash gurgle yeah. ah, dead and was like oh well you know bye walks off the mouse comes back up and says uh yeah 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 I know. I've always been through. He deserves a happy ending. It's not, though. Because now he has the guilt on his mind, and now it's... You know what would have been a better ending? Maybe he does that, right? It's like, oh, girl, 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 whoop! Or maybe like, girl, 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 Sylvester looks over the bridge, sees the mouse there, swipes at him, the mouse jumps, trips, yeah. goes into the ocean, and we just see him, like, and then Sylvester has like a, a witty one-liner, and that's sort of yeah. But I don't think that McKimson made it clear who you really should be rooting for—the mouse or the cat—and even with Sylvester. And so both, yeah. it, I I don't know, man. It, it 
I just don't feel good about a lot of this. I mean, listen, I have sympathy for Sylvester, not because of this cartoon, because we know him. We know Sylvester. We know his story. We know everything about him. We don't know this mouse character. And while I get in the first half, this is a mouse that's been through a lot in the last two weeks by getting, you know, hit or whatever by Sylvester. I think that this message of, you know, Sylvester goes to extremes and gets gets um, damaged, injured for it, keeps out of his house for it. But the mouse goes to extremes and feels yeah. nothing. Like, it feels like the mouse is supposed to get sympathy, but I, I just don't buy it because we don't know yeah. this mouse character. Because this mouse character doesn't have much of a personality. So it's weird. Like, on paper, it's supposed to work. I can see this on paper working. The execution... I, I don't know, man. Like, it, it... It feels like this show was written when everyone was in a bad mood. Yeah. You know, like, the first half of this is a good story plot, and it just goes a bit too far in places that a cat and mouse cartoon shouldn't really go is that something's off about this short oh, so much is off and i'm entirely sure what it is but something's definitely off here yeah there's parts of this concept that could work but it just feels like so much was mishandled both in terms of structure timing the mouse character was more annoying than anything so many things felt like they were in the wrong place and it interfered with this with this uh cartoon's ability to really work as well as it should and to that end, it just sort of crumbles in on itself. I'm going to short animal rating of uh, 2.5 out of 5. Inches. That's exactly what I'm giving it, 2.5. It's got some amusing parts, but it's just not... It doesn't yeah, It, it doesn't make sense to what yeah. it's going towards. And it's just, it's very confused in a lot of ways. A lot like the next one. Yeah. Yeah. Can I say the title of this one as, as, as Elmer Fudd? <laughs> By all means. The next cartoon is Wild Wife. <laughs> I'm a wild wife photographer. Um, that's already a fun... That title's funnier than most of this cartoon. Uh, wild Wife was uh, released on February 20th, 1954. Two very amusing on this day births. Uh, one of them... <laughs> I'll do the geeky one first, because that one okay. comes off more sensible. Okay. Yeah, okay. I, th- I think you. I think you know what the other one is, but I'll do the geeky one first. Uh, Anthony Head, best known as the heroic librarian Giles from Buffy the Vampire Slayer, was born on this day. Anthony Head, great character actor, great British character actor. Uh, as recently as a couple months ago, he was starring as a antagonist in Ted Lasso, I believe. Anthony Head is one of those actors that it's always nice to see him show up somewhere. Um, and I think he, he really relishes in, in all the love he got from the Buffy fans. Because uh, there's not a lot of love left for Buffy right now. <laughs> Wait, so Jordan, so you telling me that this episode not has not one, but two heads? <laughs> it's better than one. Hell yeah. Alright, what um, else? What else happened? Well, the other on one. This day? The other one. Um, born on the same day as Wild Wife and Anthony Head is uh, Patty Hearst. <laughs> For those of you who don't remember, 
Patty Hearst, who is the granddaughter of uh, William Randolph Hearst, was uh, taken hostage in the 1970s, then got some serious Stockholm Syndrome, decided, hey, wait a minute, these hostages have the right idea, and joined up with them, and joined their cause. It's what most people are like, oh, what does this have to mean? You know, it's just imagine if Baron Trump got kidnapped and then a week later, Baron sent a letter back to Donald saying, it's okay, you don't have to come and find me. Also, I'm going to come and kill you if you don't like give away a quarter of your assets. So it's something like that. But yeah, uh, Patty Hearst, born on this day. <laughs> How funny is that? It's no Benjamin Netanyahu, but pretty funny. No, it's and what's so funny is you know because her his, her granddaughter was her grandfather was based off of William Randolph Hearst from Citizen Kane. That guy, and yeah, he was based off of Charles Foster Kane. Yeah, right, exactly the whole thing. And um, I love loved the <laughs> the the nineteen seven seventy five movie called Hearst and it's uh it's Orson Welles trying to direct a black exploitation film based <laughs> off of uh, Patty Hearst <laughs> okay listen are you getting down with my jive here under protest is here under protest is parliament funkadelic Give me all the money. Mrs. Hurst. I. That could have been Orson. You don't know. Um, uh, Wild Wife was directed by Robert McKimson. Written by Ted Pierce. You know, this is a weird episode in general, Mark, because we're both having fun with the things in this episode and also digressing like fucking crazy. So it's the best of both yes. worlds, in a sense. Uh, so. Yeah. McKimson Pierce. B. Benadaret, uh lends her voice uh, to the protagonist of this one. Mm-hmm. Um, so, you know, you know what? Uh, I, I forgot another on this day for night. Oh! Okay. Uh, on this day, of, on this day in 1954, uh, feminism did not exist. Oh yeah. <laughs> That's the only reason this short's able to get made is because it's was made by people who are all men. Who? I mean, <laughs> you look at this cartoon from afar in 2023, and you go, "Okay, a movie." No. A cartoon about the female experience in the 1950s, directed by Robert McKimson. Jesus Christ. It, it'd be like if Michael Bay did the Ruth Bader Ginsburg story. It's, it, it doesn't add up at all. No. You know, like, I dissent! <laughs> you know. <laughs> oh my God, Justice Ginsburg, there's all these casualties. That's not my problem. Leave the next administration to it. When, nevertheless, she exploded. 
But yeah, um, this is a film about the female perspective of the 1950s nuclear family done pre-feminism by someone who has notoriously not been kind to women in his cartoons. Uh, how, how do you think this is going to go? Uh, well or, or not that? Um, if you answered well, what the fuck? All one was, why the hell was this not in our uh, propaganda episode? This is pretty... Uh... Yeesh. Um, okay. So. Like the last short, Immediate Suburban House. Um, yes. As you get yeah, so, another yeah. uh, Stan Freeberg reference. That, that is what I believe our touch name are John and Marsha. Yeah. They are. Um, and so the the... the the bridger behind this cartoon is that, you know, John has just gotten home from a long day at work, and John is like, oh, did, uh, saying to his wife, Marcia, oh, did you do all these things? Oh, are the kids here? You know, oh, did, did you mow the lawn? Oh, I didn't mow the lawn. Why didn't you mow the lawn? Oh, you're so worthless. And so this cartoon is, okay, let me tell you about my day. And then maybe have some fucking sympathy, but let me tell you about my day. And, that, and that's this cartoon. So, already... As as Marcia as B. Benedict as Marcia sets up um, how her day began, I'm already laughing more than the first two. Not just from Marcia's description of the symphony of the human buzzsaw next to me at, at, at John snoring, but also the reveal that they sleep in separate beds. Now, hmm. yes, I know. No, 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 Mark. There's a, there's a, a reason why this happened because it is the 1950s. And right. it was still taboo to depict a married couple sleeping in the same bed. A right. lot of television shows had to wait years before they were allowed to do that. They had to be like, right. oh, it's, you know, separate beds, you know. So it's censorship and all that. So I exactly. get why, but it's funnier to think that with everything their marriage has gone through, that they're already sleeping in separate beds by this point. Even with the subtext of this being 1954, it's like, well, what if they already are separated in a sense? <laughs> Which is unlikely, but you never know. Um, I did like I did like the bit because she she wakes up at six in the morning, closes all the windows, yeah, including accidentally hurting the cat. I love that. That was great. That was fun. That was fun. Yeah. I like that. Um, there's also some great animation as she is making the breakfast. Very fluid. Like very fast. This is a really good fast-paced uh, sequence because it not only yeah. nails the dynamic of the 1950s nuclear family in a way that both plays, pays tribute to it and sends it up at the same time, but it's the way it's all swiftly set to the music and thrown about at high speed. And it gets a lot done and, and powers through in just a short period of cartoon. It's the kind of like fast-paced stuff that I didn't always know that Kimson could do. This, this whole sequence with the, the, the husband running out the door ends with the... The John kissing the whole line of family members, then accidentally kissing the mailman. <laughs> the confused mailman getting the taste out of his mouth. I like oh, that as well. But I hate that. It's <laughs> very silly. Yeah. Yes. All right. Um, so right now, the short's doing fine. It's doing okay. Yeah. And then she leaves the house. Does well, her short. Sure. 
Well, you know, Mark. Yeah. The thing is, is that this bit of it actually starts with a gag that is still relatable to this day, where there's oh. a long line at the bank. The oh, second yeah. to second teller opens up. She swoops to try and get right to that line, and the person who swoops in front of her is an old lady who wants all of her loose change counted and, and tallied and deposited. And so she's behind that for a while, as the line she just left gets shorter and shorter and shorter, then by the time she swoops to that, another old lady comes in wanting her change count. How is this aged well? Like how, how did I not catch that as someone who works in retail? Like, yeah, it's all, that happens all the time. It's a really good gag. Okay, because, like, my it, bad. It, it's my bad. It's really relatable, and yeah. it's just like okay, it, it it gets you into the same mindset of all right, her day was hell because she had to do all of that and wait forever at the bank. And it's also a gag you could see in contemporary animation around the, on the Simpsons or something. But yeah. yeah. After that, yeah, yeah, uh, plow away. <laughs> yeah, the, the rest of them are kind of hit miss. <laughs> mm. Oh, what's what happens after this? So there's a couple I didn't write down, but um, yeah, she goes shopping. No, the one before um, that, the one before that. Um, I wrote the hair like, hmm. and that's the joke, which I, I think it, it was like a really. Uh, oh, by the way, a fun fact: you type "wild wife" into Bing. Your safe search will kick in. Um, <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. Oh, oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. We missed the um, the vacuum gag when she here's the vacuum that her husband. Oh yeah, her, yeah. We missed that. Which mm. fine. Um, oh, the blood bank. The blood bank. That's what we almost right. Missed. Yeah, the blood was, bank. and that's the joke. Yeah, it's yeah. very much you know. Oh, a sickly man. The blood bank. He doesn't want to make a withdrawal. He wants to make a deposit. Yeah, you had, you had that back to, backwards, but yeah. Um, oh, son of a bitch. You know. Whatever. Uh. <laughs> it's all right. Um, but yeah, there's that. And then she goes shopping, and it's it's very excessive things that she has to get. Because all, all these women, I forget all. Why am I using the frizz voice? We don't, we don't know about him. Um... Um, it, it, McKimson was like, oh, all these, wi- women be shopping, you see? <laughs> Ain't that right, fellas? All these women, they be taking our cards and going down to the Macy's. Wait, why does Mickey Mouse have an opinion on what? this? No, no, this isn't me doing a Mickey Mouse impression. <laughs> what were you doing? I don't know. I, I have no oh. idea what impression this is. I'm just, uh, you know, a, a generic 1950s fella, and, um... Women be shopping, y'all. Did all the 1950s fellas get hit hit really hard in the balls then? Hey, you would... No, no, actually, uh, fellas, uh, why don't we go down to the laundromat and uh, to talk about our problems there? Sure. Why not? Um, I like that after she goes shopping, she stops at Nifty Drugs. <laughs> nifty Drugs. Nifty. Sure. <laughs> I'm sure she also bought some speed while she was there. Um, but um, she used it up in the first half. Exactly. No, I will um, say I, I did like this very nice camera perspective shot because she takes one of the boxes yes, from shopping, I like that too. and we just see through the little of the animation of going into the store and the clerk saying, "What would you like?" That was good. I like that. Yeah, and her getting a, a gigantic chocolate malt, and I, I liked. 
the size of how big the the gigantic glass of jo- uh, uh, the chocolate malt was, and her just getting a giant straw and sucking it. And it's it's a simple sight gag, but it works. Yeah. Then I think after this, she goes grocery shopping, and that's a di- that's a good gag where you know the 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 associate just packs all the the groceries in there. She opens the car door, and all the the groceries fly out the other door. It's pretty good. Yeah. Um. So, um, uh, <laughs> you know, there's an old Norm Macdonald weekend update joke, um, where he tells the story of, of the, the, um, no, he tells the story of the, um, <laughs> of the, the, the father who was too drunk to drive, forcing her to his two year old daughter to take the wheel. And of course, you know, the cops get me over. And and Norm's punchline to that is, which once again goes back to my old theory, women can't drive. Now, that's just Norm. It is. The, the, the is joke is that it's not supposed to be a good joke, you know. Time has it's passed. Not, no, it's it's, that, it's supposed to be joke. mean. It's yeah. supposed to be mean. That's the whole uh, blue. This is just like Marsha pulling into the spot in front of her salon and doing such a horrible parallel parking job that she damages both cars in front and behind. Now, granted, that is funny, but you think it was like, oh, he he's making a women can't drive joke. He's, oh, no. Mm. While also providing this narration, that it's something that furiates me about this cartoon and that I'll save my final thoughts because that's where it belongs, but... This is a prime example of messaging. What yeah. are you trying to say here? Or what are you saying here? And, yeah. um... Yeah. It's not great. Not great. But yeah, the the, 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 sal- the salon thing... Because the whole running running thing about the, her at the salon is that she has to make sure that keep, she keeps money in the, in the parking meter. And it keeps running out at every point, like, because, you know, they, they 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 charge the meter so high. And so she has to run out in the midst of getting her hair done. And I laughed at, I laughed harder than I'd like to admit, of Marsha exiting in mid-mud facial and a passerby seeing her and screaming. <laughs> yeah. And then random non-sequitur. All right, let's just, let's take out this particular meter and replace it with a hydrant and then screw over this one specific person. Yeah, sure. Again, fine. More, you know, like... Even the, the table person is like, oh, yes, I'm sure. It just, they switched out the parking meter with a fire hydrant. Oh, oh, oh you crazy women. Here you go. Which, uh, hey, joke, joke's on you, buddy. John's probably paying that parking ticket, not Marsha. Because we don't see her because she, you know, the 50s. Yeah. <laughs> But, um... Um... Yeah, yeah. Uh, and then after that, we get back to the house, right? Yeah, we're, we're back in the house. Yeah. And John's and, like, uh... And oh, that's John all is did. still saying... Yeah, John is still being really callous and, and not understanding. Like, oh, I bet that, you know... Uh, uh, you're, you're so this. And then Marsha whops him for getting on her nerves. And, you know... Try, it, it tries to have a strong pro-woman message but like while also standing on the a lot of gags that are anti-woman 
they couldn't have asked what. And here's the thing. There were women at Termite Terrace. There Tons. Were. They were in the Incan Paint Department. Incan Paint Department, usually. They could have at least asked a couple, like, hey. Okay, this is what happened now, really. It would be like, hey, we're doing this short right now about women in, like, oh, the average life of a woman. We got some gangs here. Again, like, oh, yes. A time where the Lutian directors were respectable. And we're like, oh, gee, Willie Curve, you don't want to hurt your feelings, ladies. Listen, here's some gags. Tell us if they're okay. Oh, they're not? We're sorry. We'll think of better gags. Hey, you watch, tell us about your work life balance. How do you. No, they didn't fucking do any of that. <laughs> no, 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 no. It was like, we're gonna do our own. Again, why am I assuming it's Frizz? <laughs> Leave me out of this! No, um. It's just doing like, like, all right, we're just going to do our thing. And, and it's the same thing that, that men in the industry have, or people in the industry have done for ages. Just assuming they know the experiences of another gender or race or neurotype and just telling the story themselves and not really consulting them on actual representation. It's, it's a tale as old as time. This is... <laughs> it works as well as you might think Robert McKimson trying to do a pro-women short would go. And, and again, my main issue with it is the messaging. Because it starts strong. I like the beginning of it. But as soon as... It's like they couldn't help themselves. It really... (laughs) It feels like it got to a point of like, okay, and then the woman, you know, he gets... Goes to the bank, gets the funds for the family. You know, that's good, that's progressive. And then she spends all the money on on, on shopping. Oh wait, no, no. We it's, it's like, oh, uh, well, can we think of anything else? Nope. <sighs> it sucks. All right, like, we'll do that. Yeah. yeah, and yeah. I mean, it worked more often that you might than you might think. Yeah. I mean, obviously, the message is very confused, and it's, it's not yeah. it's not really certain on whether or not it's trying to be pro women or well, it's or trying to rehash the same stereotypes. But like, there are some gags that work, especially early on. There are some good satires of. I mean, this is a social satire at the end of the day, and there are some things that actually do well at satirizing, you know, everyday life in the 1950s trying to provide for a nuclear family. And then there are some points where I wish they could have gone further instead of just making the same women jokes. A lot of gags do work, but this is clearly not perfect because it's very much a product of 1954 era misogyny. And a lot of that holds it back a great deal. But it's not a terrible cartoon. It's just not great. Yep. Um, give... Uh, 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 2.5 out of 5. I'm giving this short a two out of five vehicles. Okay. I don't know. It's this was a confusing episode, man. All three so confusing. Were, like, I'm confused. So confusing. Because like you could see the good short plot. You can see a universe where each of these three can be good, and for two of them. We have. We've seen a better version of Gone Batty. We'll, we've seen plenty of better Sylvester versus a Menace cartoon. Yeah. And that they're called such entreaty cartoons. Yeah. 
and uh, Wild Wife uh, should have been made, but um, no, it really shouldn't have. Ooh, actually, 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 this this is completely off topic. You know what would be a good versus? Wild Wife versus the episode of the Fairly Odd Parents with the Genders God. Remember that they built the vaguely, wall, vaguely, and they split between the men and the women. There's a song and everything, and like I think comparing those just in a matter of to see who did it worse. <laughs> who was meaner to women, Butch Hartman or Robert McKimson? Yeah, you know? Who's the real monster? It's a tie! It's a tie! Gentlemen, please come up! It's just Butch and uh, Robert McKimson Jr. with the holding out. <laughs> no, no, no. <sighs> But except this award, my dad would like to say something. <laughs> I like the <laughs> A ventriloquist for an urn? <laughs> alright, alright, let's see what you guys had to say about these. Alright, let's end this as soon as we can. Our comment this week is from our printer pal, HD HP DeskJet 720C, who says, uh, Gone Batty is a less classic version of Baseball Bugs. Still has some good gags. Uh, well, mm, yes, when he's not ripping off Baseball Bugs. When, when it strives for originality and not just, well, we ran out of ideas, bring the elephant, then yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah, it, yeah HP's, uh, uh, the, the printer continues that it also features a character. I never believed lasted until the 50s. Bobo the Elephant. Yeah. Um, it's weird that this character had some mileage. And boy, did vary. Uh, he also says, The Unexpected Pest was another really fun Sylvester short. I wish we could have seen more of the mouse. Uh, I don't necessarily yeah. agree. But... Well, mouse is kind of an asshole. Uh, 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 again, so conflicted with that damn short. It's like, yeah. the mouse is an asshole. But Sylvester made him that way. So during Sylvester the asshole, like, yeah, I guess, but like, yeah, whatever. We also have a comment from friend of the show and patron, James Irish, who says that he remembers Wild Wife being part of the package of Warner Shorts Nickelodeon had early in the airing of the shorts. Kind of that Island of Misfit Toys assortment that included the black and white shorts of the Patty Freeling and Seven Arts Drek and some random spits and spots from the 50s. That sounds terrible. <laughs> That's a well, it's a real mix and match of uh, of quality there. Um, James remembers liking it, though that might have more to do with it being in proximity to the aforementioned drag. But it has admittedly been years since he last saw it. Uh, still, giving the wife the last laugh in this short feels progressive by the low standards of gender issues portrayed in a McKimson cartoon. Yeah, it's kind of a too little, too late gag by the time we get there because we're in this whole tug of war on is this short trying to be progressive? Is it trying to play off the stereotypes? And um, I think the short ending with her you know, taking out the husband, it's, I mean, it's better than just you know, him saying, okay, bye, honey, make me a sandwich. But um doesn't do a great job being a progressive output towards women, especially at this time. 
So thank you so much for your comment this week. Yes, thank you. Thank you. One thing. Uh, before we get to what we're doing next week, we just want to take this opportunity to thank the people that have subscribed to our Patreon. People such as Triscrew, Andrew, James Irish, Sam Adams, the, the guy, not the drink. They have, um, have helped us out by pledging anywhere from a dollar to five dollars on our Patreon. And they get perks like being thanked in the middle of an episode in addition to their commentaries that they get that we record as well as early access to episodes and handwritten letters from me and also playbacks of live streams. So if you want to become a patron just like those four that I thank them to this episode, you can follow our patron at patreon.com slash TNQAF. Look, thank God we have a commentary up next week or else we'd just be... We need to balance this shit out. Well, okay, okay, okay. So, so here's what we're doing next week. Um... Which I, which I believe is the week of our uh, third anniversary. Yeah! Yeah, it is. Nice. Um, you know, like like in our first year, uh, we're taking a break, uh, you know, so we're but we're kicking off a brand new series of commentaries. A break is in a week-long break. We'll be back at, like in, after this one, but yeah, we're, we're, we're starting a new commentary series. Yes, oh, yeah. yes. Yes. Now, um, it's very clear. You guys have been so awesome. We haven't received a single comment from anybody saying, like, really? Commentaries, really? So thank you for that. Yeah. But we can guarantee that this next uh, bi-monthly series we're doing commentaries are such more interesting films to talk about. Cause they're- You're saying that George of the Jungle isn't interesting to talk about, Mark? I, I know what you're saying, yeah. These are cool, though, and, and we're starting these off with um, some interesting ones, but uh, it's, it's, the, it's the, the one we've teased for a while. It's, it's They're Coming to Get You, Hanna-Barbera, where we're covering all the Hanna-Barbera adaptation films and features, and the one we're starting with next week is one I've never seen. In fact, until we started this project, I had no idea it existed. Uh, it's called Hey There, Yogi Bear, and uh, hey there, it's Yogi Bear. Um... And it's going to be something. And we actually haven't recorded this as commentary yet. So uh, it'll be very interesting to see how we do it. So, yeah. And over on our Patreon, we have tons of other uh, commentaries. Uh, commentaries for movies like The Three Caballeros, Emperor's New Groove, most recently Space Jam. <laughs> yes, we had, a, we had fun with that. If three hours was enough for you... We talked even more about Space Jam, and um, and and the end of this month, I believe, um, there should be an, another commentary on the Patreon. Uh, yeah, that we don't know what it is yet because it hasn't been voted on yet. So yeah, it has not been determined yet because we haven't um, gotten to the next Twitter poll. But uh, I'm sure it's a, it's a good one. Yeah, and then next week. I mean, the week after that, we have um, some interesting things planned, right? In two weeks, we are going back to the land of TV in prep of our next movie episode. My God, we're nearing 150 already. Ain't that crazy? Ain't that something? Holy crap. Yeah. Shit. So, um, if you've been paying attention to the Looney landscape recently, you may know that there is indeed... A brand new Looney Tunes movie out. They got, uh, Taz Quest for Burgers. Very popular movie. I think. I don't know. 
Um, from what I've heard, Looney Tours seems to like Good. It. Here's the thing. We said this in our last movie episode, that we're going to do more Looney-adjacent movies. This is kind of the start of that. Yeah. So, um, for next week, no, for, for, for two weeks and in three weeks, we're going to be looking at more Tiny Toon Adventures. Which actually timed out pretty well, considering how the, um, the revival got, like, actual news. Yeah, we know what's coming now, which is cool. Yeah. So, in, yeah, so in two weeks, we are going to be covering Tiny Toon Adventures. I'm just saying right now, I picked this one because it was one of my favorites as a kid, and it's very loony-focused. So, the first episode we're covering is Who Bopped Bugs Bunny? Followed by, you know, I, I, I have no idea why this was picked at all, but we're covering an episode called Hero Hampton. Hmm. There's no big reason why we're choosing this episode. It, it, it's not like someone took up an iconic character for the first time in that episode. No, no, no. It's not, it's not a colleague of ours or anything, I suppose. I suppose I can say that. I don't know. Um, yeah, no, no, it's, it's very interesting, but yeah, no, uh, we have been wanting an excuse to talk about more Tiny Toons Adventures, uh, Tiny Toons Adventures episodes, and so we're gonna do that, and, uh, eventually segue towards our next feature film episode, which is coming, uh, in a, in a little bit, so, uh, look forward to that. Alright, so that's the end of this week's show. If you want to follow us on Twitter, you can follow me at MarkHalem1995. You can follow me at TallGashMet. If like you up with the podcast or give your thoughts for next week's episode, you can follow us at that underscore loony or type in the podcast title. We are the first result both on Twitter and Instagram. You can also find this podcast wherever podcasts are readily available. That includes your Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify Podcasts, Player FM, Anchor, Amazon Music. Uh, we also have a uh, YouTube channel where we post clips and uh, audio files set to video assets from uh, our episodes that you may be listening to. Uh, those drop every couple of weeks, and we've got some fun ones uh, planned for you. Also, if you like what you've been hearing and want uh, some more bonus content, check out our Patreon at patreon.com slash tnqaf. All right. So until next week, I'm Mark. I'm Jordan, and um, by the way, Mark, you were really, really good on that. Uh, of course, you realize this means podcast episode. Distant frizz anger. <laughs> ah, the wrong one! You son of a bitch! I'm, I'm never gonna get it right. I'll kill you. <laughs> <laughs>